oh boy, you have no idea how excited we are. And by we, I mean myself, Tawny Newsom. I mean um, the producer of this podcast, Yo, Is This Racist, Kevin Bartelt. Wow, I'm just doing this all out of order. <laughs> and I mean our special guest co-host, um, newest member to the Suboptimal Pods Hangout Crew Ooh, Co-op yay. Collective Party. It's Tracy Thomas of the Stacks. You know her, you love her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Book nerd in the house. <laughs> What's up? What's party people? going on? Yes. What's up, party book people? <laughs> yes. There's so many of us. <laughs> there are. And you. I want you to be their queen. Like, I want when people think of, like, the partyingest book nerds in the world, I want it to be like, and our Beyonce. Yes. Our, our Solange, maybe, yes. is a better... Uh, <laughs> no, no. Please leave it with Beyonce. You were right the first time. <laughs> See, in, in things like, I want to be the Solange. I want to be the Solange of comedy. I want to be the, like, ooh, you doubted me. And then here I come with some fucking art people. I want to be the Beyonce of books, and I want to be <laughs> Beyonce of everything ever. Put I want it on to a be t-shirt. Beyonce. Yeah, I should. Beyonce we should have a Beyonce of books. Of books. Be merch. Yeah. <laughs> it's just my face, but like with the formation hat on and then it says Beyonce uh-huh. of books. I'm interested. Um, I'd wear great. it. <laughs> As you might be able to tell, Andrew is gone. He ate too many corn dogs and he had to go lie down for a week. Um, that's that's the official statement on where he is. <laughs> um, so we got Tracy here. A corn here. dog sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's taking a little, a little corn dog hiatus. Um, and uh, and we're here. We're going to talk about this uh, this terrible, rotten, awful week. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to try to keep it light, but then we're going to talk about uh, some voicemails. We're going to talk about the racism. I'm telling you what's going to happen, so that when we get into some personal banter and bullshit right now up top, you're not like, wait a minute, I tune into this for racism. All I want is racism so that you're not mad that the racism isn't here yet. I am in Chicago. Tracy, where are you? I'm in L.A. Cool. How's, uh, how's, how's your life been over on the stacks? You recently went independent. We all became pod friends. Yeah. How's, how's life been going? Life's been pretty good. Indie life, I really like. I, I can't get over how happy I am that my logo does not have my former network on it anymore. It's just it's so much more yeah. beautiful this way. Um. Yeah. And it's been really cool to talk, be able to talk about what that means. Cause like, I don't think a lot of people understand how podcasting works. And so it's sort of been fun to be like, Hey, yeah, no, I worked with these people and now I'm all by myself. Well, not all by myself. I have my suboptimal pod friends. Uh, We need like a name. It's like Wu-Tang. I I mean, I've been calling it like the crew or the co-op, but Andrew literally said like, when we were talking about like, what is the quote unquote business model or whatever for this? And sorry, this is too podcast in the weeds and boring for some of you, but some of you maybe want to hear it. Um, he was literally like the Wu Tang model is everyone like does their own thing, but they are bound by just like being in a collective and collaborating on stuff when they want. Um, yeah, and I think that's the model here is like, hey, we're here to like pool resources, pool information, whatever. But just like, yeah, yeah, I love it. It's the kind of it's the mo- because I I I was a theater person my whole life, and you know this, Tony. Mm. It's like a lot of like I can't collaboration. With that. I don't know. No, yeah. You have no idea, but it's like so often so much collaboration, and like you're working yeah. with a lot of people, and like you have an idea, and then you bounce it off somebody else, and then they help you, and then your director tells you your shit, so you have to go back to the drawing board or whatever. <laughs> but in podcasting, I host my show by myself, and I interview people, and before that, I read their books. So it's like a really lonely endeavor that I've gone out on in a way that is like so not my personality. I'm obsessed with collaboration. I love talking things through. I also love being told what to do. So like it's been really hard (laughs) to have to make a decision based off my own thinking. So it's been so nice to be with you guys and to be like, hey, 
what do you think about this? And then to get like four or five opinions about something when before it was like, I have limited information based on what I've gathered from Google and my one other friend. And so like, to me, that's been really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like the definition of community and it's all I ever want to do because so much of what I do in Hollywood and whatever is like a faux version of collaboration. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. you're on set with all these people, but really there's like one or two very rich people who are making the decisions (laughs) and you're just like, I hope I don't piss them off and get fired. So yeah, collab, community, trust, love, and you make us look smart. These are all the things that, um, (laughs) <laughs> that Tracy joining some awful pods crew has has given us. <laughs> and I have a platform now to talk more about racism, which yeah. I love to talk about. So happy to be here. <laughs> That's what um, our former producer, now friend, Matt Apodaca says. He's like, I, I love being able to come here and just talk about racism. It's a good outlet. It is. And I don't have to pretend like I'm not talking about racism because sometimes I'll be talking about something on the show, on my show, and it'll be like, unicorns and I'm like unicorns are so fucking racist and then I feel wait weird. go off no go no off that was what you talking about I mean I'm sure I could find a way to make them racist instantly also why did I why did I get excited that I was like ready to pow I'm like oh a new thing I hadn't thought about was problematic feed me why do I want no. that I don't care I I love it too but yeah so coming here it's like great we're gonna talk about racism so I can turn anything into racism here whereas on my show I'm like how can I not be talking about racism? I guess I should talk about literature. That's interesting because you strike me as someone who's very like, do whatever the fuck you think is right. And you didn't have, you know, you were at a network before, but it, I didn't get the sense that anyone there was like um, uh, censoring your content in any way. Did, but did you still, where did that feeling come from of like, oh, I don't want to get too, you know? Well, sometimes it's just like, who am I talking to? Because I have all sorts of different guests on the show. So sometimes it's sure. like, like I had um, this this woman who's like one of my favorite podcasters and she hosts a show about The Bachelorette and The Bachelor. And we were talking and she's a white lady and we were like talking about that. And like, I just didn't really feel like pressing her on racism in a way. Yeah. That like, even though I was sort of curious, like I asked some questions, but I didn't really like dig in because I was just like, I don't know, like doesn't feel gratifying. Yeah, Whereas if I was talking, about, yeah, like if I was talking about her show to someone else, I might have dug in deeper about like sure about racism and The Bachelor. So sometimes sure. I just feel like it's like not the appropriate person, even though sometimes there's stuff there that I would love to dig into. But I never don't talk. I never don't talk about it. But sometimes right. I don't like dig in as much as I could where I left to my own devices with my friends in private. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I know that feeling too, even um, doing this show when we used to have a weekly guest on this show, like because the pressure to always have a guest sometimes, not that we didn't like any of the people we had, but sometimes the people on the show were just less versed in the topic. Like they were mm-hmm. here promoting something or they were like a friend of ours and like usually mine. And I didn't always think through like, oh, are they super comfortable talking about racism? So I would even feel like, oh, I don't want to make this white lady have to get on. Like, I'm not trying to gotcha anybody. Right. Let's just have a nice chat. But yeah, at the same time, you don't want to feel like you're holding back. So don't hold back here. We're all ready to do it. Cracks knuckles, roll shoulders, (laughs) ready to go. (laughs) Okay. So transitioning into this very bad, no good, rotten week that we had, um, a a lot happened. And, you know, the, the struggle of this show is to stay stay in our lane a little bit and to talk about the things as it pertains to the topic of the show, which is, yo, is this racist? That's the name of the show, if I didn't say it earlier. Um, So obviously there are a lot of news stories that we could delve into that I am not going to speak for Tracy, but I am not equipped 
to talk about voter suppression laws in Texas. I acknowledge the racist undertones to them. I acknowledge why they're happening. When we have Stacey Abrams on next week or next year, or whenever that may be, <laughs> we would love to talk about it with her, an expert. But I think it's just so important to say like, yes, we acknowledge that these things are happening. No, I'm not prepared to talk about it. Please go listen to something on Crooked Media. But what we can say is that when you have people who want to prevent folks from voting, and then you have a side that is just trying to get people to the polls to vote, I think you really have to look at the historical underlying reasons. Why? Why would someone want to prevent whole swaths of people voting, of black and brown people, of poor people? What does that do? What is that? What do they gain from preventing people to vote? That's not even saying we know how you're going to vote. They're just saying we don't want you to. What does that protect? What does that uphold? The way this country has been built, the systems that have been in place, what are we preserving as opposed to breaking down and, and starting fresh, which I think is the aim of most progressives in this country. So that's all I want to say on that. Tracy, do you have anything I mean, to add? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I want to add that there, of course, there are some really incredible books that have been written about voter suppression. Um, but there's also this I love book how called- you stay on brand. <laughs> I do. Well, I think I learn... She's the Beyonce learn- of books. I'm the Beyonce of books. I learn everything I know, basically, from reading books. And so... This is great. I, I like, I'm like, oh, there's a great book about this. Um, the book I want to tell you about is a book that hasn't got a lot of play. And it's more about... It's less about voter suppression. And it's more about the ways in which coalitions can be built to make change. And it's called... Brown is the new white and it's by Steve Mm. Phillips and it's really great. And he's like a political strategist. And I just want to plug that book for folks who are curious about like, for example, in Texas, there are tons of Asian, Latin, black, progressive, white, queer voters more so than there are white conservative voters. And so the question becomes, how do we build these coalitions that speak to those groups, et cetera? So that's that. The other thing I just want to say is because I'm pretty sure this is airing very soon. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Tomorrow. If you're in California, please vote no on the recall. This shit is getting out of hand. Um, And if you are voting yes on the recall, don't do it. (laughs) Don't vote. (laughs) But vote no. It's just like, I just, I'm so stressed out about it. But all of this is to say that like, the ways in which Texas and other states, and it's not just Texas and it's not just the South. And I think that's another thing. It's everywhere that there's these voter suppression things um, and it's directly linked to who's in charge of the state's uh, legislatures and governorships. But these laws make possible the things that we see, that we're seeing happening, like the abortion law. These things make possible the mask the anti-mask mandates, the anti-vax situation, like these, all of these things make things possible and politics can't save us and voting can't save us. And there's like so much organizing that has to be done. But that Mm -hmm. being said, like these laws are racist and they are attacking the most marginalized people. And then those people go ahead, the people who then become elected go ahead and attack those same groups more and more. So like vote if you can, but also like we've got to be organizing outside of that stuff. What's the name of that book again? Brown is New White. It's by Steve Phillips, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a brown cover. Yep. See, that's great. Tracy, that's great. You stayed on brand. You stayed in your lane. You provided a helpful, actionable item. People can go on their little Kindle and get that book right now. And you're, you're doing a small thing to just better educate yourself. Another small thing that you can do to better educate yourself. That's not really a segue. I just wanted to transition to um, Texas's heartbeat abortion ban. Uh, effectively doing their damnedest to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm just so fucking tired of 
the pressures and the uh, just the terrible shit we do to pregnant people, to people who could potentially get pregnant in this country. All right, look, here's here's this show's angle. There's so much that could be said. Just right. go go listen to all of the people. Go, you know, listen to the Imani Gandhis and the Idioma Luos and the Lindy Wests who have been talking about these issues for a long, long, long time before any of us had a podcast. So <laughs> I, I strongly encourage you to go listen to Imani Gandhi's um, Boom Lawyered. Uh, they talk all about reproductive rights and that these are the these are the folks to look to. What I want to talk about is people on fucking Twitter who getting their cute little quasi comedy gloves on to to type into their little cursed computers the words American Sharia or Texas Taliban or all this shit that I'm like, what do you think you're doing? You think you're invoking some mysterious boogeyman to talk about the thing that is so homegrown, so American, banning a person's right to choose whether or not they continue a pregnancy is so fucking that that started in your youth group. That's your that's your youth group. That's the kids from your youth group who have grown up and have shitty opinions now and are, are enacting these laws and are voting for these laws. There's no there's no Taliban here. There's there's no one from any other culture or country doing this. But the people you grew up with in, you know, Duluth, Minnesota or wherever the fuck. Right. And, and I just get so angry at the language that, like, you, you have to invoke some other cultures problems to talk about shit that we, we just need to own it. We need to say this is a this is an American problem. And yes, other cultures and countries have shitty laws around reproductive rights. But uh, yeah, so that's one way we can clean up our language. Don't well, make and, those yeah. types of comments. Sorry, and I just want to say like, also, the white supremacy that is involved in this abortion law, right? Like mm. the ways that this law is rooted and and abortion rights or anti-abortion rights. I don't know, whatever the fuck they call themselves. The people who are against abortion, those groups are so fundamentally rooted in in white supremacy. And it's not about religion and it's not about the life and it's not about all these things. And so this idea that that it's actually this other thing, the Taliban, this brown boogeyman, right? Like that right. It's this other thing is so disingenuous and so toxic and horrible, but it's also just completely untrue. This is like so homegrown. This is like what America has been about forever and ever and ever. And this idea that this is new or different or has come about in relationship to the Taliban or like, like, Ugh. like, and the timing, of course, in relationship to Af the Afghanistan withdrawal, like this whole moment, it's just so fucked up because everyone was talking about like, oh, but women in Afghanistan need our help. And it's like, since when has Americans foreign policy ever Ugh. had anything to do with women's rights ever, ever once? Also, people keep invoking Gilead from the Handmaid's I, I Tale. Cannot, I cannot, look. I cannot. I, I've, I've watched The Handmaid's Tale. I enjoy it as a as a piece of fiction that is actually a, a piece of a fact that happened to black and brown women for a long time in this country. But yes. sure, if you need to see um, Elizabeth Moss endorse slavery to understand slavery, fine. If you don't understand that, that right. uh, whatever. It's so frustrating. Like, well, but it's, it's also, it's not this, that was based on real life. That's Handmaid's, what the fuck is her name? I should know this. Handmaid's Tale, Margaret something. Margaret Margaret Thatcher. Atwood, yeah. <laughs> That one. The it other was not Margaret Thatcher. The Handmaid's Tale by been. Margaret Thatcher would be a very different book. Actually, it could be a very similar book, it, surprisingly. 
just a different, <laughs> different protagonist. Different, different, <laughs> different, but similar. But anyways, Margaret Atwood didn't create this out of thin air. She didn't invent, like, this is rooted in right. something. And it's rooted in white woman feminism. That's the thing. It's like, this shit's been going on for black and brown women for years and years. But now that this yeah. is, could potentially affect white women's ability or white yeah. people's ability to get a safe abortion, now all of a sudden we're living in, you know, this dystopian thing when it's like, the rest of us have been living through this shit forever. Like, yeah. and and it's only because white women can see themselves as the protagonist, as Elizabeth Moss, that they all of a sudden care when it's like, bitch, you all voted for Trump. You all voted for, <laughs> like, you all voted for this. We did not vote yeah. for this. So don't act like you're the victim of someone else's, like, you chose to vote with your husbands instead of voting with women, which is what white women have been doing for years and years. And I know not all white women. I know, please. But you don't have to say, look, I've said this on the show many times. If we're not talking about you, we're not talking about you. Sure. Don't get fake offended for uh, thinking that we're thinking of you. If, we're, if you didn't vote for Trump, we're not talking about you. We're talking about your cousin because she did. Right. Just going by statistics. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's it's just like this idea that this is other than um, this is other than an American issue when it's a law created in America that affects Americans. So like, sure, if you want to invoke other countries that also have bad laws against women, that's fine. But don't try to pawn this off on some other country or some other culture when we do this shit perfectly fine all by ourselves here year after year after year. We're very practiced at um voting against our own interests in this country. Um, yeah, so then the other the other angle of that is just, again, in our discourse, and I realize I am yelling at the side of people who we are largely on the same side. We are, you know, I'm yelling at the fellow pro-choice people who are just not being super careful in their language, and I understand that that's fucked up, but I, I just feel there's enough, there's not enough. There will never be enough yelling at the other side, but what I'm choosing to focus on today, just so that we can continue to be just be a little better about this shit is just talking to the people who I think care enough to hear this stuff. So my other uh, gripe, and, you know, I want to thank my friend and our former guest and friend of the show, R.B. Butcher, for bringing this really, like, vocally onto the timeline about saying, trying to say pregnant people or people who could become pregnant as opposed to framing this as a, quote, woman's issue or, like, a cis woman's issue because um, there are people who are not women who can and do get pregnant. And I just think it's important to make sure our language is inclusive while we're fighting this whole huge battle because the other side sure as fuck isn't trying to do that. So yeah, it's just, just we need to be kind of on top of those things. And I've said it wrong plenty of times, but it's just something I'm being conscious of these days. So yeah, that's, that's a great important. point. That's a great point. And I think also like in the colloquial use of white women, at least as I was using it previously, was specifically for white cis women, heterosexual. Sure, yeah. Like there is a specific white woman, capital W, capital W, air mm-hmm. quotes, whatever the fuck, that is that is a voting block that is not not the part about the abortions, who's able to have them and who needs them, right. but the part of like people who are voting for Trump, people who are voting for Abbott, that that white woman is very clearly a cis het woman who is married or recently divorced to another white Republican male. And like, that's what I'm talking to. And I know yeah. that we're yelling at the same people who agree with us, but I guess I should ask you this, like, there are people who listen to this podcast who agree with us, who like us, who think we're right, whose cousins, sisters, um, aunts and uncles, mothers, fathers, best friends are voting Republican. And like the reason that I yell at you guys is because I hope that if you get yelled at enough, you'll actually have a conversation with someone who can actually do something because I don't know those people anymore in in a personal like I was raised by 
a Clinton appointee. You know, like my family is deeply liberal, but I just, I hope that like these types of rage-filled moments at least give the folks who can do the talking some talking points or something. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of that... No, a lot of that on this show is just like, hey, we're all yelling. It sounds like we're yelling at you, but really we're yelling with you in yeah. your headphones. Um, I think we're all yelling together. And yeah, we we all need to talk to the people in our lives who are fucking this up for themselves and the rest of us, but mainly themselves. They're mainly fucking this up for themselves. So uh, stop it. So stop. That's all. Fucking stop it. And then lastly, before we move on, God, what a fucking week. Um, actor Michael K. Williams passed. And uh, in addition to him being such an icon, so incredibly inspiring just as an artist. And there's a, a clip going around. Um, he, he was in uh, uh, shows like The Wire and like um, Boardwalk Empire and countless other things. But there's a clip going around of uh, Wendell Pierce, one of his co-stars from The Wire, mm. just singing his praises in such a beautiful way that like, I was struck by so many things when I watched it. I encourage you to find it on Twitter. You know, Michael says something to the effect of, oh, I was kind of green when I did The Wire. And and Wendell stops him and and really just says what an artist he is. And what struck me about it was not only like, oh my God, two actors like singing each other's praises so publicly during press instead of talking about themselves. That never happens. But it was like seeing these two black men just so beautifully seeing this man just support his friend is something that we don't get shown. I'm sure it happens. I've seen it happen on sets between, you know, black men that I've worked with, but that's not always the fun, edgy media story. Mm -hmm. And so just, I I just realized how rare that was to just see, yeah, just black male artists like really in a moment of like love and support. And it made me think about all all the people that cared about Michael. And I don't know, I'm just kind of rambling because I was like, that was a pretty, that was a pretty tough tough loss to the community, I feel like. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just, I get so, I have to be honest. I only watched season one of The Wire and I never watched Boardwalk Empire. And I have seen Michael K. Williams in things and recognized like his talent. But for me, what was really moving was seeing the outpouring from so many people of how, and, and I should say so many black people specifically of how his work touched their lives in different ways. And yeah. I think it's just really interesting when celebrities die. I mean, I I am weirdly comforted by the ways that people grieve publicly over celebrities mm-hmm. because I just feel like we have no idea as a culture, as an American culture, how to grieve. Um, but I also was struck by, in this case, like the ways that the racism, of course, like creeped in when mm-hmm. it comes to the speculation. Let me say that again, speculation. Mm-hmm. That he mm-hmm. died by a drug overdose, possibly fentanyl-laced drugs. This is all total speculation. But the ways in which there was like a lot of chastising of his drug mm. addiction or past drug use. Because I guess he had said that he had used drugs previously, um, like in the early he, 2000s. He gave a New York Times interview yeah. where he talked about his struggles with it. Yeah. But. So like he had talked about it and the ways in which people were like, this is why you shouldn't do drugs. And I think of like Philip Seymour Hoffman and I think of Heath Ledger mm. and the ways that like their deaths were seen as such a tragedy and such a loss. Yeah. And it's just like, even in death, even people who are like these talented black actors, it's like they don't, they don't get to receive the grace that other folks do. And that's just like so devastating, especially in contrast to the the outpouring of 
emotion over his passing as someone who's like a notoriously great character actor, right? Like he's never really the leading guy. Like he's not Chadwick Boseman, right? Like it's not that person that the, that the whole community had rallied around in his roles. It's, it's someone like slightly more tangential to the film. Who's like always ends up being the heart and soul of the film and like always ends up being the character that people remember. But like to see, how a character actor in that way has touched people so deeply. And then on the other side, it's just like, there are really two fucking Americas and it just felt so yep. painfully clear last night, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you about the, the reactions to a black person potentially overdosing versus the, the way we treat white people who potentially do it. Um, it sucks. Well, this was um, really a rough start, everyone. We understand if you have to go bury your head under a pillow. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it doesn't get better. There's other people talking. That's the one <laughs> thing I can say. There are voicemails <laughs> from strangers. So that's different. But uh, it's not going to be great. So if you got to go. <laughs> I get it. It's not going to be the worst. It's going to be fine. It's going to be a normal show. Let's get to a normal show. How's that? Yay. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that ad from somewhere, someone in somewhere. And uh, yeah, Kevin, let's roll the first Andrew-selected voicemail. I have to stress that Andrew selected these. Hey, I just saw a bumper sticker on a car that says, All Dogs Matter. Of course, car driven by a white lady. Andrew, I know how you uh, are very passionate about rescue dogs, but that's shit racist. Yes. Yeah, I don't even want, we didn't listen to this before. I don't even need Andrew to be here to be like, fuck that car, fuck whoever drove that car, fuck whoever made that bumper sticker. That's all. Yeah. There's nothing, like what's even, what 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 point are you even trying to make? But at what, I'm curious to the person who left the voicemail, how could you think that it's not racist? Like what, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like it's so racist that it's like, Where's the question? Where's the question indeed? Um, and I like that Tracy has now become the Andrew where Tracy's immediately like, hey, caller, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm a guest here. <laughs> no, you're. this is what Andrew does, so we need it. Because I'm always like, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And Andrew's like, no, get out of here. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- this shouldn't have been a question. Maybe they just wanted to call and have something to talk about. <laughs> we agree with you. Caller, if you meant to say... Isn't this racist? Then yes. That's true. Yes, it is. If you accidentally said, is this racist? We understand. But it's fucking racist as fuck. All dogs matter. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye to that person. So let's break this down a little bit. Not that anyone cares, but just because it's a little lighter than the shit we were talking about before. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, Is it? Is it comparing black (laughs) people to dogs? Uh, Well, okay. So what's wild is it doesn't say black dogs matter it's the bumper like we don't even want the non-dog version of this bumper sticker we don't even want that the all lives matter we all know that that is a that is a dog whistle for saying can we please just stop talking about racism you fucking ungrateful negroes can you please stop everybody matters when what black lives matter is saying is that black lives all lives can't matter until black lives matter because up until now they have seemed more disposable than the white lives um 
So the even the non-dog version of the bumper sticker, it we're not claiming. No. So are they just riffing on a bad? But you know what I'm saying? Like, are they taking the thing that's shitty and somehow making it better? That's my wildly mild take. I feel like whoever works at the All Dogs Matter dog <laughs> marketing company. Kevin, do not make this the title of this episode. I will it's fucking empty. kill you. Please, please do not. The All Dogs Matter company. I feel like what we know about them at the very least is that there are no black people who work there. Yeah. None that are empowered to speak up. None that are alive. Uh, <laughs> like, can you imagine being like, okay, Karen, Becky, I have it. We're going to do a bumper sticker for rescue dogs. And it says all dogs matter. And it's catchy because it's like, Black lives matter and all lives matter. Do you get it? Like, and then, and then they were like, let's print them and give them away or sell them to people who then get them and put them on their car so that people who listen to this podcast can see it. Like, imagine this moment. <sighs> okay. And then I imagine that there's also like a Liz in the back. And maybe Liz, maybe Liz's mom is South Asian. Let's mm-hmm. say that. So Liz is like, hey, I feel conflicted about this, guys. Can, can you walk me through what we're doing here? Are we supporting Black Lives Matter? What are we doing? And, 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 and Becky and, and then Michelle are like, is like, it's, it's a play on words. You don't get it, Liz. Liz, it's, right. Liz, why is this so serious? It's a play. Liz, this is a fundraising play on words for the dog auction. Okay. okay. Like, I don't get it. And Liz it. is like, okay, I just think some people might have a problem. But you know what? My vacation's almost here. So yeah. I'm just going to keep my head down for Liz the next like, week and a half. It's Friday at 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Summer Friday. <sighs> yeah, it's terrible. I don't know what they're trying to say. I just know that what they're saying is not good. <laughs> I think you're right. I do think that like the need for the pun probably mm-hmm. outweighed any sort of intense malice or any thought through malice because it just doesn't even make sense. Well, I just think it's like, you know, making a joke of something that black people care about. Right. Like it's like, oh, this is like a funny like <laughs> black people get shot in the street and come up with this awesome slogan that we can co-opt and do whatever we want with. Yay. Is blank blank matter becoming the new got milk (laughs) you know how got milk remember that campaign was what 4,500 years ago and that fucking campaign I just walked by a place in Chicago that said got attorneys and I was like no one no one younger than like 30 even remembers this campaign what are you doing how is that stuck around I do think that blank blank matters is definitely becoming very many degrees removed from black lives matter yeah And I even think that like Black Lives Matter has sometimes become a little bit too removed from Black people being murdered extrajudiciously by the police and other people who are self-appointed law enforcement officers like fucking Zimmerman or whatever the fuck. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that we've started to say Black Lives Matter as sort of like a rallying cry about like Black people are great and forgetting that like it is rooted in the murder of black the people by protesting white the murder, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and, and I do think that part of Black Lives Matter, what's so great about the sentence is that there is so much possibility in it for Black people and people who love Black people truly. And I do think that it's saying that we're more than these murders. But I do, I also yes. think that the flip of that is like, it's become divorced from some of the intensity of the need for that sentence, right? Like some of the urgency for the need of that sentence and like all dogs matter is, because, you know, as you said, it's it's not just a play on Black Lives Matter. It comes from the Blue Lives Matter that became the All Lives Matter that's now become the All Dogs Matter. And there was a girl on The Bachelor a few seasons back. She was a real piece of work. And she got in trouble because she did some, like, modeling campaign to, like, save the whales. And it was like, white whales matter or some shit. What? I can't remember. Get out of here. Her name was Ver- Victoria. She had brown hair. She got towards the <sighs> end... Uh, Damn, was Tracy? Yeah. It, well, everyone knows it was like a big deal. I know, it was like kidding. an ad campaign. And it said like white whales. It was like some saving some animal anyways. And then she was like, I didn't realize that people would be offended by this. And I just don't. That's what I don't understand is how do you not realize that this could be offensive to people who are protesting the murder of other people's actual lives? You have no black friends. You have none in your in your orbit. Um. Okay, my only suggestion for the caller, not that they were asking for advice of what to do, but in case key anyone else sees this car. counterpoint, key that car <laughs> and carry a Sharpie around and scratch, scratch out matter and just write, go to heaven. Because every time we've <laughs> yes. said all dogs, I want to jump in and say, go to heaven. It's that's wired correct. in my brain. So just fix the bumper sticker. Yeah, that's actually right. Because that is the only all dogs. Right. And then, then it offends no one except a, a Disney copyright lawyer. And that's someone else's problem to deal with. Oh, should we punch the next voicemail? Yes, really quick. Uh, I feel obligated to read that Andrew, when he emailed us, the voicemail said, here's my official statement. I actually think a lot of dogs are whack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Thank you, Andrew, for <laughs> giving us an official statement on the matter. Like police dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that dog didn't choose that occupation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't act bad enough in dog school to get fired, is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, here comes the next voicemail. Hi, Andrew, Tani, and guest. Um, so for context, I am in an interracial marriage. I am a white woman, and my husband is brown, and I have a good friend who's also in an interracial marriage. She's white, and her husband is black. And I have noticed sometimes when we text, she'll send me back emojis using, like, the black-skinned emojis. And it just We've always makes me as weird, this. like... I'm married to a brown person, but I wouldn't use the brown-skinned emojis if I was texting somebody. But she often uses the black-skinned emojis despite being a white woman herself. So I just wanted to know, do you guys think this is racist? Is it just weird? Am I being racist? Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Tracy is buried in her shirt. She has pulled her shirt up over her nose. I have both hands on my face. How do you guys unpack these voicemails? Because I feel like there's like 19 things that have to be discussed about this conversation. And I, and unfortunately, I will have to attack the caller again. Why? Please be the Andrew. Go off, Andrew. Go off. Okay. Let's just start. God, fuck. I don't want to be an asshole. I'm, I, I really would like you all to listen to my podcast also. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the stacks. It also comes out on Wednesdays. Uh What are you going to say? It's an independent podcast and it's just me, a black woman alone, (laughs) reading books. (laughs) That being said, okay, I have talked about this a lot with my other friends of different, different racial origin and groups. And while we use the phrase black and brown, I do not know what a brown person is. 
That, yeah. That really confuses me because if you're married to just one person, then that person, you can say just that one person's racial identity because you're not speaking for a group. And for whatever reason, like, I get irritated because sometimes people will be like, to about me, like, Tracy, a woman of color. And I'm like, I'm actually not a woman mm. of color. I am a black woman. I am a woman of color if you're talking about me and my Korean friend and my Cambodian friend and my Guatemalan friend and two black girls. Like, we are women of color. But I am a black mm. person. And I've, I don't know if I've ever heard brown before like that. Uh, I also, Do you guys okay, get I, that a lot? I, we don't get it a lot. We get it sometimes. So part of, okay, yes, you're right. Sometimes the um, need to be brief on, on here with, with voicemails leads people to say wild, kind of weird, generalized things. Okay. Also, sometimes people don't want to, they're worried about self-identifying too hard and oh. this getting leaked out and people knowing who they are or whatever. Sometimes that leads to weird identifiers that were like, if we were sitting across from you in the real world, you would not say this wild ass thing. I hope so not. that's me giving okay. them several okay. benefits of the doubt. You're but so kind. Other, but the the Andrew of it would absolutely agree with you. And also another Andrew side of it would be like, why are you ashamed of what they are? Like right. if your husband's Mexican, if your husband's Indian, can you say the word or do you have some weird white guilt saying the word Mexican? Just like I, I scream at my, my fr- I have like one close friend who still keeps saying African-American. And I'm like, you can say that if you're talking about like, a, a range of children's books in the 90s or something, right. but like, just call me a black person. Just be comfortable enough with the word black. Like, tell me that you have enough black friends that you can say the word black without a shudder going down your spine. Right. So that was my take here is I was like, can you not call your husband whatever they are? Okay, so that's anyway. my part. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Uh, okay, <laughs> the next thing was about her friend who's married to a black person. So we now know that her husband is not black. The caller's husband is, he's, he is brown, but not black. And the friends uses black emojis. Is she (sighs) referring to the husband? Like being like, Paul said, black power fist. And I said like, white people, peace sign. Or is she saying that like, (laughs) hey girl, going to the movies and can I get my nails done with black hands getting pink nail polish? Like, is that what she, I think it's the second, right? I think it's the second two, but the other one is also so weird. There, it's all so weird. We we talked about the emojis thing before. Like before, there were colored emojis. We were like, "Hey, we we wish there were different colored emojis." We're not all yellow Simpsons animation people. We were so naive. And then, and then when the colors came out, I was like, "There's something that feels real bad about that white thumbs up." Like just just be the neutral yellow. Don't actively select the second palest white. It bothers me. I don't know why. I'm not saying you're wrong to do it, but it feels bad when I see it. I don't like it. It feels bad. (laughs) By far worse than that are the people that choose black hands when they're not black because they think it means that they're cool or like, I don't know what's going through their mind. I don't know what's going through this woman's mind. It's like, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about digital blackface, but that's what it is. And... It's weird. Wait, what what emoji color do you use, Tawny? So I used to use, I normally use the second darkest one because there's like, there needs to be like four more shades between the yeah. second darkest one and the darkest one, but whatever. This is a, a, a computer program for children. Um, <laughs> but then my friend, I have another friend. We're both biracial. We are the exact same complexion. We're the same pretty much everything. And she uses the next lighter one down. And that one always made me feel icky because it made me feel like I was trying to be 
lighter than I am. You know, there's so much colorism in our community that like being a light-skinned Black person, I'm very aware of the weird weight that that holds. And I never wanted to feel like I was like trying to filter myself whiter. I once had someone tell me, this was years ago on Instagram, that I choose filters to whiten my skin tone. And I was like mortified because I was like, oh, I think I'm just trying to get rid of the fine lines around my eyes. And I did not realize I was lightening my skin. Because yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't know. What 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 color do well, you use? This So I had the opposite thing happen to me. I use the same one as you, the second darkest, which to me uh-huh. is like the closest so medium one brown. to the medium brown. Um, And someone told me that I should not be using that one because I'm a light skinned black person. And I was Was like, Was this a darker skinned black person? This was a darker skinned black person, but not that much darker. I got to be honest. She wasn't super dark. She was also like, she easily, she's, I don't believe she is mixed, but she easily could be mixed. Anyways. And I was like pretty offended by that because I felt like, I am black and I'm obviously black and I'm always identified as black. And so using the browner, the not brownest yeah. one, I was like, I don't know, I was a little taken aback by it. Um, I still use that one. But because I also, in my mind, it's like the really white one, the sort of tan one, the tan, like middle of the road, the light Medium black, one. and then the dark black. Like those yeah. are the, That's how I see it. And I see that middle one as being like people who are Latine, maybe Indian. Like that's how I envision that one being used. People like darker skinned Asian folks, like maybe Thai. Um, you know, I'm not going to list every race that I think could use it, but <laughs> no, that's how I envision that one in my mind. I don't envision that one as black people. Even if you're a light-skinned Black person, I just imagine you use the lighter of the two dark browns. So that's like in my mind, that's what I was thinking. But now I feel insecure. And so I try just to use floating hearts or um, smiley faces. <laughs> like I use a lot of the embarrassed look, smiley face. That's like, because that's how that's I feel. Most of what, that's most of what we say on this show is like, if you are doing something that you're unsure of that makes you feel uncomfortable, just do something else. Like yeah. it doesn't fucking matter about these fucking emoji thumbs that are five colors for all the people in the world. But Um, sometimes I also do the blonde white woman in my group chats. (laughs) That's just kind of, that's because she's ready to party and you have to get that across. Sometimes Um, (laughs) that's what I feel like. I feel like her. I want to just be blonde and just like, no worries. It's when I, it's when I do the one where my hand is up by my ponytail. That's when I go with a lady. (laughs) Look, I think that my, I think that I would rather be accused of filtering myself darker to get some kind of fucking black people clout. I don't even know what that gets you in the world. Uh, then be accused of wanting to be whiter. I, and I'll, I'll take that both are problematic, but when there's five fucking thumb right. colors, yeah. also, I'm going to choose the one that makes me feel less hicky or I'm just going to send hearts. That's what I said back to the person. I was like, thank you. But also there's five colors and I'm black. Yeah. And I'm sorry that based on my photo on Instagram, you think that I'm not black enough for the light black emoji but like (laughs) I am I promise see me love me like most things on this show it's a stupid stupid conversation that gets at the heart of some very real (laughs) shit and and I think that the discussion on colorism is valid and it's so dumb that we have to discuss it in these terms in the terms of two interracial couples one brown one black yeah but but to the woman who's using the black emojis because you know she's messages. using level five darkest yeah. black. Yeah. Or you know what? Even if she's using my chosen black of emoji level four, <laughs> even if she's losing level four, if she is a white woman, as I'm being told she is by her white friend, then 
you've got to use the white emojis. <laughs> if you're going to use an emoji with a color, you've got to use the white emoji. Like just use the yellow emojis. Yeah, but no. Just so use that, the have you skin tone emoji. have you seen the whole thing? I think it was Ijiomo Luo who talked about the yellow emojis and like how how using the yellow emoji when you're white makes it so that you don't have to identify similarly, but not the okay. same as the way that people who are cisgender don't give their pronouns. So you're basically oh, othering okay. people who do because there's an assumption that if you're giving your pronoun that you're then transgender. You're different. Yeah. And so right. say like that the yellow is really an assumption of whiteness. So when you use And the it yellow, assumes that white is neutral. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that was like the whole yeah. conversation. Um, so look, if you're white and you want to use an emoji, try to find the one that comes closest to you. Now look, Tani and I just spoke about this as black women. We have difficulty picking the exact right color, but probably whatever color your skin is, you've probably got one or two options. You can decide if you want to be summertime tan or you want to be wintertime snow white vibes. But like, you're not, you're, so you're whimsical. Not, you're not giving, I cannot have you be giving me Lupita Nyongo. Okay, ma'am? Like, it's not appropriate. You don't get to do that. You um, don't. And look, all right. So then I, I will re-examine my comments earlier about white people using the white emojis. Because I do, I understand that point that Ijeoma is trying to make. I also, I, I also will admit, I always feel weird when I see a white hand come across. So maybe that's just that it's a personally triggering for me. I do too. And, but <laughs> Especially also, the I white that, fist. That's the one that I'm I like, don't like, what are you fist. doing? What are we doing here? Um, I also, I think a, a larger issue is like, you know, with like Bitmoji, when you have like a greater mm. range of shades and hair colors and things, when people tend to filter themselves in a color that is not theirs on that, I, I think that's even weirder because it's like, you have more choices there and you chose to make yourself yeah. very tan, <laughs> very tan. Summertime tan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I love with it. You. Um, my white husband did have to tell his white coworker who just liked to tan a lot that because she was using your your preferred level level three brown your earlier preferred black and she was using because she like tans a lot and he was like you can't do that <laughs> no what an ally what a good ally your husband is my white husband I, this is just a t- white husband ally Kevin, story <laughs> the title of this episode is not my white husband either you're gonna have to dig deeper and find right, something else crossing out a second idea. <laughs> I'm actually fine with that. No, just kidding. Um, uh, this is just a white husband ally story. This is totally off topic, but we went to Houston, Texas a few, like last month and we were in the cab and I usually have my headphones in listening to whatever I want because like after a flight, I just need to re- unwind. But I heard something that was like such and such like Patriot radio. And I was like, oh, okay. What? So then I like was like, you know, listening to like, yo, is this racist or like keep it or whatever. Like I was just listening to my friends talk. And then- <laughs> My thing goes quiet and I just hear Democrat is a good word to cover up socialist Marxist LeBron James this like it was like this whole rant and then all of a sudden my husband my little white husband goes hey guy I'm gonna need you to change the channel (laughs) and I literally was like. I've never loved my husband more. That is a fucking ally. Because I heard it and was just like, let me just turn up Tawny right now. But he was like, stepped in. And then the guy put on country music. And I've truly never been more excited for country music in my life. And it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like Keith Urban. It was like, let's get shotguns to take to the Negroes. But I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm fine. We're fine. It's music. It's art. I love an art. Um, I, I want to thank that. Uh, I want to thank that driver for buying a copy of my album. First of all, um, <laughs> thank him for loving it. 
Yeah, like what you're talking about is one of those moments where as a black woman walking through the world, you have had to be the one to speak up so many times for your own comfort, for the sake of people around you, whatever. We've been the ones to be like, hey, can you not fucking do that in my presence? And so to have uh, to have a person that is not in your same like demographic who has a little bit more privilege and maybe a little more power to be heard by someone like that do it for you can be a big relief. And it's mm-hmm. not saying that we need it all the time, but it can be like, oh, thank God, this is one that I didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. That's all. Thanks to my, thank you for my white husband. <laughs> thanks to all the white husbands out there. And thanks to the white callers with the non-white husbands who have a, a strange conversation ahead of them about their text exchange. What does she say um, to her friend? I think she asked us that. I think you just say to your friend, hey, Sarah, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> Listen to this podcast episode. <laughs> hey, Sarah, did um did Mike grab your phone for a minute? Because all these black fists came through, and I know you wouldn't do that. Is Mike texting me right now? That's what you say. And then when she goes, no, why? You're like, because this is fucking weird. Yeah. Also, hey, Sarah, I just read this great article on digital blackface. Here, I feel like you might like it. Ooh, the passive aggressive, or maybe it's just the actual aggressive sending of an article of the thing you're doing that's fucked up. I welcome it. These are all good suggestions. Really quick, I just want to say that I was reading reviews of All Dogs Matter, and the only (laughs) one-star reviews I could find was critiquing the vinyl. It was too cheap. Nothing about uh, how it's racist. Wait, it's a vinyl? The vinyl like material the vinyl. of the bumper oh, sticker is I thought it was an cheap. album. I was like, wait, we were talking about a, an album this whole time. Yeah, with the hot single, get the shotgun for the whatever you said earlier. Um, <laughs> look, this has been great, Tracy. We love you. You're welcome anytime. Thank Yee. you for being our Andrew. Um, while I was the, the, the mama bear of this Goldilocks arrangement, and tried to be neutral on things. Um, no, but really, thank you for coming. And Tracy's going to be here for our uh, Friday show, Yo Can We Live, which if you're not subscribed to that, what are you doing? Um, it really is how we keep this show alive um, is by subscribing at suboptimalpods.com. There's lots of ways that you can support. You can support us uh, with just like a donation jar type thing. You can subscribe to the whole bundle where we have all kinds of limited pods, limited series pods. Um, but yeah, it's the thing that keeps the heartbeat of this fucking train wreck ticking so go ahead and go over there and do that um you can find me at trondy newman you can find andrew at andrew t at yo is this racist on all the things at kevin j bartelt or at kev bartelt tracy where can they find you in your show you can find the stacks also on wednesdays um at the stacks pod on instagram at the stacks pod underscore on twitter and you can find me on twitter at and now get this perfect for the show at by tracial that's right. Bye, mm. Rachel. Um, also, people think it's bit racial, which I'm fine with. Yeah, it's a bit racial. <laughs> Either way. It's got a bit racial in here, yeah. didn't it? Bit yeah, racial. Subscribe to the pod wherever you get your pods because I'm an indie mm. now. So I need you. We all need <laughs> Except you. Except for the two callers I talk shit to. You don't have to. I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they love it. They love being, having their ass beat a little bit. Oh, speaking of which, we got a DM about where Spaghetti Up came from. And it came from a caller who, hang on one second. We were trying to, we had a, an episode named Spaghetti Up once and we said that, oh my God, why did we even name it that? And the caller said, I sure do remember what Spaghetti Up was in reference to because it was my call about my son's racist bookmark that said, me so hungry, pho real, like with miso and pho no. in there. 
And Matt and I started riffing other noodle puns about dumbass racist bookmarks. So that's where Spaghetti Up came from. <laughs> Still doing a call for uh, artists to DM us if they'd like to be considered to make some merch. We're looking for merch that says, who is this for? That's it. Check us out on Friday with more of Tracy. Bye. Bye. This is Suboptimal.